your faith rise all across this building. Come on. The answer is there is nothing, nothing too hard for the Lord. He can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or even think. Would you lift up your hands and begin to call on Jesus and ask him to do a work? If you've got a need in your life, lift up that need with the faith that knows there's nothing too hard for the Lord. Somebody pray right now. Come on, that's it. Lift up your voice. Come on, there's nothing too hard for Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a great big hand clap of praise all across this house. Somebody give him a shout of victory. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Amen. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord here on this Sunday afternoon and to be praising and worshiping the Lord together with you. Amen. Is anybody excited to be at church today? Praise God love what we feel amen if you have your bibles we're going to turn open to the book of isaiah chapter 38 and verse number one and as you are turning there i want to prepare our sunday school department amen to be dismissed and i also want to say it's so good to have diana in the house of the lord with us amen we love you we've been praying for you and ralph non-stop every service and we just want to know want you to know that we love you amen and so at this time we'd like to dismiss our sunday school students to their classrooms amen everybody say god bless our sunday school kids and everybody say god bless our sunday school teachers amen praise god isaiah chapter 38 verse number one When you hear kids, that's the sound of revival right there. Amen. Isaiah chapter 38 and verse number 1. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, came unto him and said to him, Thus saith the Lord, set your house in order. For you shall die and not live. Everybody said, I want a word from the Lord. I don't know. You sure about that? I want God to speak to me. Well, not at all times. Amen. He prayed. Amen. God spoke to him and said, put your house in order. You're going to die. I want you to notice the response of Hezekiah. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord. And said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech thee, how I have walked before thee in truth and with a perfect heart, and have done that which is good in thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah. Now, we don't know how long this in-between moment was. We don't know if it was as Isaiah is walking out of the room or if it's been a couple weeks and Hezekiah has just been weeping and praying. And, but the word of the Lord comes again to Isaiah as a direct result of the prayer of Hezekiah. And he said, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. I want to tell you, God hears everything we say. He sees everything we endure. He sees, and the Bible even says later, he collects every tear that falls. Amen. He said, I've, se I've heard your prayer. I've seen your tears. Behold, I will add unto thy days 15 years. And I will deliver thee in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city. Where the Lord came unto Isaiah and told him, you're going to die. Put your house in order. But Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and he prayed. And the Lord said, I will add unto thy days 15 more years. The Bible says it's appointed a man once to die and after that the judgment. 
But as far as I can tell and I can see, this is the only person in the Bible that ever got a time frame of his appointment. Fifteen more years. I don't know if it's 15 more years to the day, but it's 15 more years. Man, I, and this is not part of my notes, but I wonder if God told you you got 15 years left, how would you live? This is not part of what I'm going to preach today, but I just want you to think about that. If you knew you were on borrowed time, how would you live? Amen. But he prayed, and the Lord said, I've heard your prayers, I've seen your tears, and I'm going to add 15 years to your life. And I felt all week to preach this in my spirit and in prayer again last night, felt very strongly. I want to preach on this subject. It's not over for the prayer warrior. It's not over for the prayer warrior. Would you lift up your hands and pray with me here today? Hallelujah. I want to tell you, we're going to, we're going to see God do some things here today, but I believe we're going to see a continuation, and God's going to continue some things that maybe should have been over or that we felt like were over, and God's going to breathe new life into things we thought were dead and done for and God's going to take some old promises and some old paths and God's going to restore some things uh, but it's going to come as we pray. Would you pray with me all across this building? I want you right now before we even start this service before I even start preaching would you begin to pray whatever you have need of in your life. There's maybe some things you've stopped praying about. I want you to lift it up right now. It might be that you need healing in your body. It might be that you need deliverance in your soul I want you to pray about it right now because it's not over for the prayer warrior. And I want us to believe God that God's going to do great things in this house in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Would you clap your hands and give the Lord some praise all across this house? Hallelujah. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him before you're seated, it's not over for the prayer warrior. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated here today. Man, it's not over for the prayer warrior. Hezekiah was born to an evil, idolatrous king named Ahaz. Much like, as with all of us, we don't get to choose where we come from. But we do get to choose our actions and what we do with where we've come from. During the reign of Ahaz, the people stated that they feared God, and yet with their actions... They were simultaneously practicing idolatry. When Ahaz, when Ahaz finally died, his 25-year-old son Hezekiah became king. And unlike his father, the Bible declares over his life, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Amen. He did not follow in the footsteps of his earthly father. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Amen. In 2 Kings 18 and 5, it tells us a little bit about him. He trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him there was none like him. He was a good king. Amen. He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. According to 2 Chronicles 29 and 3, we see his righteous heart because he did not wait to do what was right. The Bible says in the first year of his reign, in the first month of the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and he repaired them. He repaired the doors and he opened the doors to the temple. Amen. Hezekiah courageously went piece by piece cleaning up after his wicked father. He reopened the temple to be a place of prayer and a place of sacrifice. He also reinstated the Levitical priesthood and the Passover as being a national holiday, all in a prayer and in a hope that revival would return to Judah again. Even when the priests messed up and they did not sanctify themselves, amen, notice the heart of Hezekiah. The Bible says, so Hezekiah prayed for them and God healed them. In addition, the pagan altars, the idols, the temples were destroyed, even including the bronze serpent that Moses had made in the wilderness. He melted it down because the people had made it an idol. Amen. Not part of my notes here today, but I want to tell you, an idol is still an idol. It doesn't matter how religious you want to make it. 
that religious thing can become an idol. It doesn't matter how much of a tradition it is. That tradition can become an idol. And he burned it down and melted it down because his heart said, I want to be right with the Lord. King Hezekiah had a thriving kingdom because he put God first in everything that he did. 2 Kings 18 and 6 tells us about him, that Hezekiah clave unto the Lord and did not depart from following him. He kept the commandments that the Lord had commanded unto Moses. Amen. This is a good king following and doing his best. And at every moment you find him seeking the Lord, opening the house of the Lord, seeking and praising and praying unto the Lord and making sacrifice and sanctifying all that he could. But don't we all know that everybody has moments of weakness? Amen. Can anybody attest to that here today? That no matter how good you are and no matter how hard you have worked and tried, everybody's got moments of weakness. Everybody makes bad decisions. Everybody's got moments of failure. But might I just tell you that the way God defined him in the book of Chronicles, in the book of Kings, and even in the book of Isaiah, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. What does that tell us? That tells us that even in your moments of failure, even in your moments of mistake, you are not defined by your failures. You are not defined by your mistakes. And when God writes over your life, amen, he takes the whole of your life and he looks and he, he takes what was bad and he converts it and he makes it that which is good and he uses it as part of your testimony. And he said he did what was right. Hallelujah. Can I just preach to somebody that wants to believe he always did that was right? No, he didn't always do that which is right. And sometimes we get so caught up in thinking, if I've not always done that which is right, then I must not be right. And if I've, if I've, not, if I've, if I've ever made a mistake, then that must make me a mistake. If I've ever failed, that must make me a failure. I want to tell you, that's not how God defines you. Amen. That's how we define ourselves. Uh, amen. I'm, I'm going to preach it for a little while. That's how we define ourselves. Uh, one mistake makes me a mistake. One failure makes me a failure. Uh, one indiscretion makes me a mistake and a mess up. Uh, but that's not the way that God defines you and I. Uh, when you make a mistake, uh, you've got an opportunity to get it under the blood. Uh, you've got an opportunity to get it washed. Oh, somebody, if you know that to be true, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. He made a mistake because he's human. And we all make mistakes, but you got to really give a little grace to Hezekiah. He is confronted with war. This looks like the death of all of Judah. It looks like it's about to wipe them out. All of Assyria has come against them. And Hezekiah, if you notice Hezekiah, he's always one, and this might be one of his, his, shadow, uh, his shadows where he is always wanting to get away from war. We find this later on in his life where he said, as long as there's peace in my time, amen. And, and I, you know, there's some things that, that at first they might seem like they're good things, but there's a shadow to it. Amen. He's a man of peace, but that doesn't mean just because you're a man of peace that you can't have a little war once in a while. Amen. Because sometimes it takes war to make sure there's lasting peace. And, and But he thought, maybe I can achieve peace by not involving in conflict and not having war. Amen. And, and when confronted with war, he chose to, to take another option. He decided he was going to sacrifice some holy things instead. He chose to lose spiritual ground for temporary comforts. Amen. Amen. 2 Kings 18 and 15 says that Hezekiah gave the king of Assyria all the silver that was found in the house of the Lord. Amen. And all of the treasures of the king's house. He thought, I'll buy my way into peace. Hallelujah. There's a lot of folks I could get off on some tangents here today. You think you can buy your way into peace. A bigger house is not going to bring peace in your life. A bigger, bigger car, amen, a nicer this, a nicer that, a, a longer vacation, not any of that's going to bring peace into your life. Uh, there's some things you're going to have to war for. There's some things you're going to have to fight for. And might I say on the outset of this message, there's some things you're going to have to pray about. Hallelujah. And he gave all of the treasures of the king's house. Notice the next thing Hezekiah did. 
Amen. This good man that is now making some decisions that are not so good, that is losing spiritual ground for temporary comfort. The Bible says Hezekiah cut off the gold from the doors of the temple of the Lord and from the pillars. Notice the same man that had opened the doors of the temple for people to come and pray uh, was now removing the gold uh, from the doors, uh, amen, where people prayed. Uh, the same man uh, that had fought for spiritual things to be elevated uh, and the spiritual things, uh, amen, to be seen in a better light, he is now removing the gold, uh, removing the value uh, off of the house of prayer and removing the value off of the place where God dwells and removing that which gives amen the doorway the entrance to prayer amen it's gleam and it's glitz and it's glamour he is now taking a temporary situation and he's making eternal decisions he's removing the gold from the house of prayer unfortunately when we sacrifice spiritual and eternal things for temporary comfort how many knows it doesn't last very long Hallelujah. The devil's ever convinced you that you need to just, uh, you know what, uh, there will be peace if you just stop praying. And you start maybe getting a thing in your ear where you start thinking, well, you know, if maybe I just stop going to church, maybe I'll just have a little more time to do the laundry. And there will be a little peace in my house. And, you know, we just need to take a little time where, you know, we just take some us time and we get away from the house of the Lord. And when we do that, maybe there will be peace in our marriage. And people make decisions that maybe there will be more peace if we can disconnect, amen, from putting our value in the house of the Lord and in the place of prayer. And if we just take a little vacation from God and a little break from the things of God, maybe there will be peace. But anybody that's ever done that, you know. Amen. And it's a hard lesson to learn uh, that the enemy does not leave you alone uh, just because you stop praying. Oh, yeah, I got some witnesses in the house. You might have a week where you feel good. I got a week without prayer, and I'm doing okay. I don't feel very weak. Amen, I've got a month without church. I'm doing all right, and things have not completely collapsed, so I must be okay. But it's a tactic of the enemy to trap you and to keep you bound up. He's just looking for the right moment to strike. Oh, somebody ought to give him some praise. The adversary knows if he can get you to start cutting things out of your spiritual life and removing value from your spiritual life and start putting value in other things that he knows it's just a matter of time. And I'll wait until they're completely worn out. He has given all of the silver of the house of the Lord. That means he's got nothing left to buy with. Amen. He's given all of the treasures of the king's house. He's now broke. And he's given all of the gold from the doors that he once opened for the house of prayer. He's given those into the hand of the enemy. And this enemy enemy did not leave him alone. This enemy came back to fight him anyways. When you take vacations from God, I want to tell you the devil doesn't take a vacation from you. When you take moments where you think I'll be okay and I'll make it because I'm spiritual enough or I've been good enough, I want to tell you the devil doesn't take vacation. He wanders about seeking whom he may devour. He's looking. Amen. Now, I want to tell you, you think, well, the devil's just going to take a, you might take a break and that means the devil's going to take a break. You just check out from the war and maybe the devil will check out from the war. I want to tell you, the devil doesn't check out from the war. Uh, and when you and I check out from the war, amen, now he's got his foot in the door. And, and when we check out of the war, all of a sudden now the enemy comes in like a flood. Uh, amen. And if we're not careful, the enemy will keep coming in like a flood. Uh, but there's a good part of that verse. It says, but the spirit of the Lord will raise up up a standard against the enemy. Brothers and sisters, uh, we need to be on guard at all times. Uh, our adversary, amen, is always looking. That's why Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, he's sober, and he's vigilant, and he's looking, uh, and we've got to have our eye on the enemy uh, just as much as he's got his eye on us, uh, and we've got to fight him uh, just as hard as he fights us, uh, and we can't take a break because uh, he's not taking a break. Oh, somebody ought to give the Lord some praise here today. And thankfully, Hezekiah learned his lesson real quick. The enemy came right back after, after he tried to buy peace, and peace didn't, wasn't able to be bought. The enemy came right back in, and 2 Kings 19 and 1, the Bible says, 
amen, that he hears a rumor that, that Assyria is coming back to fight him again. Assyria is coming in. And when, when Hezekiah heard it, amen, he rent his clothes and he covered himself in sackcloth. And he went into the house of of the Lord. He might have removed the gold uh, from the house of the Lord. Uh, and he might have removed the silver from the house of the Lord. Uh, but you can't remove the Lord uh, from the house of the Lord. Uh, and you might remove value from the house of the Lord. Uh, but you can't remove the Lord from his house. Uh, he said this house shall be called an house of prayer for all nations uh, and for all people and for all generations. Uh, just because you haven't prayed in a while and you don't see the value of prayer right now doesn't mean that prayer doesn't work. You can still come in even if there's no more gold on the door, there's no more treasure in the house, and you can still go in Hezekiah in a time of war, in a time of need, and you can pray and you can seek God and God will still hear you. Even though Hezekiah made an indiscretion and a bad decision, he went into the house of the Lord when he heard the enemy was coming, and he started praying again. That moment where he didn't pray, he was giving away spiritual things and eternal things for temporary comfort. But when he realized it didn't work, he went right back to his spiritual roots and began to pray again. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, it's never too late for you, amen, to pray again. It's never too late for you to say, you know what, I haven't prayed in a little while. I haven't talked to God in a little while, but I'm going to talk to God today. Amen. You don't have to wait until all war breaks out and all hell breaks loose and everything in your life's falling apart. You can pray at any moment. You can pray whether everything's still going well and you just haven't prayed in a little while, or you can pray when all hell breaks loose. Amen. And God's going to hear your prayers The enemy still, after this, did not relent. In fact, they sent messengers. It's an incredible story. You've got to go back and read all of the context for yourself. But they sent messengers to go speak to the Hebrew people in Hebrew. Amen. They, they, they didn't want to speak in a language that the people didn't understand. They wanted to speak in Hebrew in a language they could understand. And this is what they were saying. Amen. They were saying, just give up. Just quit. Amen. Don't trust in the Lord. Don't trust in Hezekiah. God's not going to come through. Anybody ever had the devil whisper in your ear and say that? I know I have. I, I'll tell you, that's the devil right there. Amen. In fact, he'll speak in a language you understand. He'll speak in terms you understand. Uh, he'll tell you there's no way you're ever going to pay off these debts. Uh, he'll tell you there's no way you're ever going to fix this marriage. Uh, he'll tell you there's no way your kids are ever going to be right. Uh, he'll tell you there's no way you can ever get free from this addiction. Uh, can I tell somebody he'll speak in a language you understand and try to get you to quit before you even start and get you to give up, amen, before you even try, uh, amen. That's an attack of the enemy. It's a lie from the pit of hell. And can I preach to somebody that's been discouraged? Uh, you need to trust in the Lord with all your might. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your path. Doesn't matter how many times the devil comes in, you gotta trust in Jesus. It doesn't matter how many times the devil shouts in your ear, you gotta listen to Jesus. You gotta. Hallelujah. The messengers came and spoke in a language that people would understand. And they said, oh, you might as well quit now. You might as well give up. And I love the way that the people received this. In fact, the Bible says they didn't even listen to them. They just, I wanna tell you, when the devil comes talking, uh, this is where Eve really messed up. The devil started speaking, and she started having a conversation. You don't have to respond to everything that comes your way. Well, praise God. You don't have to respond to every hateful comment that somebody makes about you. You don't have to respond, to, amen, to everything the devil brings into your life. Not everything deserves a conversation. Not every Facebook comment means you need to get engaged in it. Amen. In fact, you might want to get rid of it if you're getting into those kind of conversations. But not everything needs a conversation, especially when the devil shows up and is trying to get you to lose your faith and get you to lose your spiritual convictions and getting you to try to, to, to lose spiritual ground and to just stop fighting. You don't need to engage in that kind of conversation. You need to stop your ears to the devil and say, I'm not listening to you. It doesn't matter what it sounds like. It doesn't matter if it makes it seem like I'm going to be in a better position if I listen to you. I'm not listening to you. I'm not going back to the club. I'm not going back to that relationship. I'm not going. 
Doesn't matter how hard of a day. I'm not going back to the bar. I'm not going back to the bottle. And Hezekiah, amen, they, they did everything to discourage the people in an attempt to discourage Hezekiah. It was all trying to get, because they knew if we, can get, if we can get to the leader, we can get to everybody else. And so trying to discourage the people so the people would discourage Hezekiah so Hezekiah would give up. Amen. In fact, they sent letters to Hezekiah. They made sure that they were first, they were, they were, they were, they were uh, priority shipping straight from Amazon. Praise God. And it showed up at his doorstep. And these letters were the same thing they told the people. Don't trust in the Lord. You're not going to make it out. It's never going to get better. I'm preaching to somebody right now because the devil's been speaking to you all week long. You're never coming out of this. It's never getting better. You're never going to get healed. It's never, you're never going to get the answer. You might as well just give up and quit. Why are you even trying to go to church? Why are you even being spiritual? Haven't you noticed how hard life has got since you tried to be spiritual? Don't you realize how difficult things are because now you you're trying to do right and you're trying to live right and the devil sent letters priority shipping straight to Hezekiah and there's some folks, you might have even got some letters, actual letters, uh, from bill collectors and debt collectors in the mail today. You might have gotten served by somebody, uh, amen, that walked away and said, you've been served. Uh, you might have got some first-class delivery, uh, amen. But I want to just tell you what Hezekiah's response uh, to the first-class letters were. Uh, in 2 Kings 19 and 14, Hezekiah received the letter in the hand of the messengers. He read it, uh, and Hezekiah went up into the house of the Lord and and he spread it before the Lord and he began to pray. Can I preach to somebody? When you get that doctor's report, why don't you come to church and lay that report on the altar? And when you get that bill with the red mark on it, why don't you lay it before the Lord? When you get that bad text message, why don't you bring your phone to church and lay it upon the altar? Why don't don't quit. Don't get up. Give up. Don't be discouraged. Pray. Don't give up. Pray. Don't quit. Pray. Don't stop. Pray. Oh, somebody ought to give you give the Lord some praise all across this building. I want to tell you, this is this is what makes people truly spiritual. It's not that they've never struggled. It's what they do when they struggle. People that struggle, it's not a sin to struggle. Let me just say that. It's not a sin to struggle. Amen. It's not a sin to be tempted. Even Jesus was tempted. It is a sin to give in to temptation. It is a sin to quit in the middle of your struggle. Praise God. But people that, it, it, people that are spiritual, they, they look at, you know, in our world, we look at people and we think, man, they got a nice house, nice car, dog named Scruffy, and a white picket fence. They must never struggle. They must be spiritual. No, brother, let me tell you. The people that are truly spiritual are those that have struggled, but they make different decisions than those, hallelujah, that are not spiritual. I'm not preaching to you here today because I've never struggled. I just made a little different decision than some other folks that were struggling. Hallelujah. I want to tell you what makes you spiritual. It's when you fall, you get back up. Can I give you some Bible? A righteous man falls seven times. It's not that he fell that makes him righteous. It's the fact that he fell seven times, but he got back up eight. You ought to look at all of hell and say, you might have knocked me down seven, but I'm getting back up eight. You might have knocked me down the eighth time, but I'm getting up one more time than you knocked me down. You might have stopped me for a moment, but I'm going to get back up, and I'm going to pray again, and I'm going to fast again, and I'm going back to my old roots, and I'm going back to my spiritual living, and I'm going back to church. You might have got me tripped up for a moment, but what makes me righteous is the fact that when I I fall, I shall arise. Oh, somebody ought to give the Lord some praise all across this building. If you're struggling, get up. If you're struggling, get back up. If you're falling, get back up. Just keep rising because it's not over for the person that knows how to pray. Somebody ought to clap your hands and give God praise. When Hezekiah was struggling, he said, listen, I'm going to the house of the Lord. I've said it before. I'll say it a million more times. Church is the, is the best place you can go when you don't feel like going to church. 
Church is the best place you can go when you're struggling. Church is the best place you can go when you're sick. Church is the best place to go when you've fallen and you've made mistakes. I want to tell you, the best place you can go is to the altar. But, Pastor, we just fought all the way to church. The best place to bring your fight in marriage is to the church. Amen. Is this all right? Is this all right? You made a commitment at the altar, said I do, said I will. Brother, the best place you could ever go is back to the altar and pray and say we do again. We will again. There's nothing like coming to church. Amen. I want to tell you, it's the best place you could ever go. And Hezekiah, amen, when things looked rough, when he started getting letters in the mail, amen, he went back to praying about things. Hallelujah. I've just come to talk a little bit. Amen. If it's all right here today, we talk about things. We complain about things. In fact, we'll murmur and gossip about things. But i got a question for us here today. When's the last time we stopped and prayed about things? Okay. I'm not talking about being religious. I'm, not, I'm talking about when's the last time we said, you know what? Amen. Uh, we, we notice what's going on, and we don't like it, and we're going to start praying about it. All right, we're going to preach about it a little bit. I didn't plan on it, but we're going to preach about it. We need to get back to the old days where we used to pray about things. Uh, amen. I want to tell you there's previous generations uh, that it didn't matter what it was. Uh, they would take it to the house of the Lord, and they begin to pray about it. You know what we do when we get a headache? We take an aspirin. And there's nothing wrong with an aspirin. You take an aspirin. But when's the last time you said, God, I'm sick of having constant headaches. Uh, amen. And you started praying about it. Amen. Instead of taking another Tums for your, for your, for your indigestion, uh, amen, why don't you pray about it? It might be stress. Uh, and you need God to heal you of your stress. Uh, and the Bible says be anxious. Be stressed out for nothing. But pray about everything. Amen. Well, I'll just deal with it. I want to tell you, stop dealing with it in 2023. Pray about it. Come on, somebody. Stop dealing with it on your own and pray about it. Stop enduring it and pray about it. Stop. It's time to start laying it before the Lord again and saying, God, I need you to work. Whether it's a big thing or a small thing, I want to pray about it. I got to pray about it. I got to. Come on, instead of saying, well, I'm going to quit and I'm going to give up and I'm going to backslide because things are getting tough, when's the last time you said, I'm going to pray about it? Hey Amen, I want to tell you, I, I've never seen complaining change nothing. I have In fact, I am a professional complainer. God knows, I, I can complain better than anybody else in this room. I do it to the Lord all the time. I just call it a prayer meeting, praise God. You start praying about some things. You'll start seeing some things change. Amen. Hezekiah prayed. He started going back to praying about things. Amen. That's what, meant, that's what made Hezekiah righteous. It wasn't that he never made mistakes. It's that when he made mistakes, he knew what to do to make his mistakes right. Amen. You know what made David great? It wasn't the fact that he didn't, he didn't commit adultery. He did. Amen. It wasn't the fact that he didn't commit murder. He did. Amen. But you know what made him great is that when he got, when he got done and he got caught and he got found out, uh, amen, his first response is, I'm going to pray about this. I'm going to repent about this. I'm going to apologize. Instead of just saying, well, they're going to forget about it. Why don't you go pray until the Lord strikes your heart where you go apologize and you make it right. I want to tell you, it's, it's a cop-out to say, well, I'm just going to let it go. Brother, you need to go to the altar. You need to pray, and God will give you direction on how to deal with it and how to actually get rid of it. Well, praise God. That's for free. God answered his prayer. You know, I, I, the Bible says we have not because we Ask not. How many things do we need that we just go, well, I'm not going to pray about it. Or we say in our mind, mental ascent, I'm going to pray about it. But we don't actually pray about it. I, I really want to redefine prayer for somebody here today. I really do. I don't want to just, well, we need, pastor just trying to get us to come to prayer on Tuesday. No, I'm trying to get you to pray tonight. I'm trying to get you to pray Monday morning. I'm trying to get you to pray when your boss cusses you out. I'm trying to get you to pray when, you're, when, you, when you and your wife are fighting. I'm trying to get you to pray. And not because it will make you more religious, but because it will really start changing some things in your life. Uh, amen. I want to take us to the level where we go from just, amen, saying a quick prayer over dinner. And we start praying about some things uh, that we want to see a transformation. And we want to see a change. Uh, I don't want to just pray to seem religious. I don't really care if you hear me pray or not as long as he hears me pray. I don't really care if 
you see me pray or not as long as he sees me pray. I don't really care if you see my tears as long as he sees them and collects them in a bottle. We got to pray about it. We got to pray about it. We got to pray. We decide about it. We make decisions, but we never prayed about it. We make bad decisions that we never prayed about, and then we make it God's problem. Is this all right today? You know, if, if it's not, we'll go back to some kumbaya with Jesus. Praise God. We make bad decisions, and then we blame God. We make, we make bad purchases, and then blame God that we're in debt. Well, we're going to just stay off that. Praise God. And it, God needs to do it. And God, brother, you shouldn't have done it. You should have thought twice before making bad decisions. You should have prayed about it before. Well, praise God. And I'm not preaching as I'm on a high horse and I've never done it. I've done it many, many times. And I've had to go back and say, okay, God, you know that was a really bad financial decision. You know that was really stupid of me. But, God, can you help me? And I started laying it before the Lord. And can you believe it? God helped everything I ever prayed about. I'm not saying he helped it in my time frame. I'm not saying he came through when I wanted or how I wanted. But I'm a testimony that God has fixed all the wrongs. Because I was willing to pray about it. And you have not because you ask not. But if you'll pray about it, God will fix it. If you pray about it, God will change things. If you pray about it. He started praying about it. And can you believe it? Things started changing. God answered his prayer. He said, don't worry about it. I'm going to take out your enemies. How many wants God to do that this week? How many is tired of getting letters in the mail? Text messages and Facebook messages and all these other all this other junk. And you need God to start changing some things. Uh, amen. In your relationships. Uh, you need God to change some things in your finances. You need God to change some things in your spiritual life. Uh, you need God to change some things in your mind. Uh, and you're tired of your mind constantly sending you direct messages uh, and telling you you're not good enough and you're not worth nothing and it's never going to work. And it's, a, it's the devil just pressing the right buttons in your life. Uh, amen. How many wants God to work things out this week? Would you lift up your hands right now and begin to pray about it? Come on, I'm preaching about it, but we need to pray about it. Would you lift up your hands and say, God, uh, I don't know how it's going to work out. And you might be confused about it, but pray about it. And you might be hurting about it, but pray about it. And you might be discouraged about it, but pray about it. And you might feel like giving up, but pray about it. Somebody pray right now. Come on, lift up your voice. Pray, 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 pray. Come on, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be open unto you. These are the promises of Jesus. He said, ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. I am convinced that we have too many people that walk around looking like they sucked on a lemon for six months because they haven't prayed. God hadn't come through and nothing's good and everything's getting bad. You might be married to him. Just look straight ahead. Praise God. <laughs> Brother pessimist, just look straight ahead. Just, uh, Jesus said, ask and you shall receive that your joy. There's so much joy being forfeited because people aren't praying. Pastor, you're only supposed to talk about prayer as a religious duty so I can hurry up and get in my way to heaven. No, amen, it's, it's more than that, brother. It's relationship with Jesus. It's constant communication with the maker of heaven and earth. You know, if I didn't talk to my wife for a week, <laughs> brother, we'd have problems. She might like the vacation, I don't know. But we'll, if we didn't talk, you know what? Amen. We have a relationship because we're communicating. And there's people saying, I got a relationship with God, but they've not talked to God in a little while. And they wonder why they're, well, I feel, I just don't feel like going to church anymore. Why? You haven't talked to the one that you have a relationship with. Amen. Why would anybody want to go to church if they don't want to pray? They don't want to talk to God. There's no relationship there. They just feel a little bit like, well, we don't have anything in common anymore. You know, people that stop communicating start getting into conflict. And people that stop communicating uh, start getting into other challenges. And they start finding themselves, amen, into irreconcilable differences. Why? Because they never took time to reconcile. And they never took time to communicate and talk it out. And it's no different with God. Uh, amen, there's so many things that can be reconciled, amen, with just a five minute. Uh, hey, Jesus, I just want to talk to you for a minute. Uh, there's some things in my life. Uh, you know, God's not worried about your prayers, uh, whether they're good 
enough or they're bad enough. He's not worried about how you communicate. He's just worried about whether or not you communicate. You know, they say, they say your marriage is in trouble not when you have difficult and bad communication. It's when you have no communication. Your walk with God is not, in, is not in, in trouble if you're having bad reception with Jesus and bad communication with Jesus. It's when you have no communication with Jesus. I can't tell you how many times, amen, that I started off my prayer meeting with a complaint and just telling God all the things I didn't like and telling God how angry I was. Some of y'all are too religious to do that, amen, but I've gone through some real stuff where I said, God, I don't like how this is happening. I don't like how these people have treated me. I don't like how this this went through and how this went down. I'm really angry about this. You know it wasn't my fault, and sometimes it wasn't my fault, and I complained about it. But that simple act of communication, God started speaking back to me. And I said, you know, God, you're right. I really should have, I really should have dealt differently with that. And I, come on. We wouldn't just become better Christians if we pray. We become better spouses if we pray. We don't just become better Christians if we pray. We become better better financial stewards if we pray. We become better citizens if we pray. We've got to pray. Somebody clap your hands and somebody shout, we got to pray. Somebody shout, we got to pray. You know, I have people all the time, Pastor, will you pray for this? And I will, and I mean it. And I'm going to pray. You just send me your prayers. But I've got a question for a lot of people. Have you prayed? Because I'm going to be honest with you, I will never pray for you as good as you'll pray for you. <laughs> I'm not stressed about your bills. You are. I'll be, I'll be compassionate and empathetic about yours. But, brother, ain't nobody going to pray like you're going to pray. I, I, I'll be honest with you, I'll pray for your marriage, but, but I'm not going to pray for your marriage as much as you'll pray for your marriage. And, I, and, you know, that's really the challenge with a lot of folks is they want you to be more invested than they are. They want you to be more concerned than they are. And sometimes God's just looking down, and, he, and, and why is life getting worse and worse and worse? God's just trying to find out where rock bottom is for you. Hallelujah. It was when Jacob had run from his brother. He slept all night on a rock. Y'all got Serta? He had a rock. He wasn't counting sheep. He was counting angels. Amen. It was at his rock bottom. He finally woke up and said, surely the presence of the Lord was in this place, and I didn't know it. You'd be shocked when you finally, when you finally just say, all right, enough's enough. And you say, I'm going to start praying because that's the moment he started communicating with God. He said, Lord, I'm going to talk to you. If you'll keep me in the way that I go, if you'll bless me, if you'll do all these different things. For the first time in his life, he anointed that rock. He anointed the difficult place. He anointed the hard place. I want to tell you, the reason that God allows some of us to go through trouble and trial is God's trying to get you on bedrock. God's trying to give you a foundation from which you can build a prayer life on. Come on. God is more interested in you learning how to pray than he is in you being comfortable. And if you got to be broke to learn how to pray, he'll let you be broke. And if you got to be sick for you to learn how to pray, he'll let you be sick. But, brother, when you begin to pray and you begin to anoint the hard things in your life, can you believe it? God will answer. God will come through. God will make a way. But you got to pray. Hezekiah went back to praying about things, and God answered his prayer and took out his enemies. Pray about it. Have you prayed about it? Hey, well, I'm making decisions. Have you prayed about it? Well, I'm, I, I've already made it. Have you prayed about it? I'm already, I'm already I'm frustrated. Have you prayed about your frustration? God's not afraid of your emotions. He gave you your emotions. Your neighbor's afraid of your emotions. <laughs> Your spouse is afraid of your emotions. Amen. The robot, you're, well, praise God. They are afraid of the robot. You're married to is afraid of your, your emotions. You know, just, just, you got to pray about it. You talked about it. You complained about it. But have you prayed about it? In our text today, we find that Hezekiah is sick at the point of death. And the preacher comes by on Sunday and says, yeah, you're going to die. Amen. Close your Bibles. You may be seated. <laughs> Hezekiah's thinking, great, the prophet showed up. He's going to give me a good word. He's going to get me out of this. No, you're going to die. <laughs> but he prayed. I want to tell somebody, a death sentence is not a death sentence when you know how to pray. 
It's not over if you know how to pray. Hezekiah learned a valuable lesson all throughout his life. Even when he was not perfect, he knew how to pray. He knew that prayer made a difference. After his father messed up all of his reign, amen, and he finally got the kingship in his hands, we find in 2 Chronicles 29 that Hezekiah opened up the temple again for prayer. And guess what? God turned things around and began to bless the people. When the Levites messed up in 2 Chronicles chapter 30, Hezekiah I have prayed for them, and the Lord healed the people. When he messed up and war broke out, he went to the temple and prayed, and the Lord heard his prayer. When the enemy persecuted the people and intimidated him with letters, Hezekiah went to the temple and laid the letters out before the Lord on the altar, and he began to pray, and God heard him, and God answered his prayer, and when life hit, when sickness hit, when storms hit, when trials hit, even when everything fell apart and they said you're sick and it's a death sentence and you're going to die and here's the report from the doctor and there's no more time for you. Hezekiah had learned his lesson. It might look bad right now, but if I can find a place to pray. And the Bible says uh, he turned his face to the wall. He couldn't even get out of his bed, uh, but he began to pray. uh, And God said, it's not over uh, for the prayer warrior. It's not over for the person that knows how to pray. Uh, You get 15 uh, more years. Uh, You get more time. Somebody ought to clap your hands, stand across the building, and give God a shout of praise. Come on. Somebody ought to give him praise. It's not over if you know how to pray. It's not over if you know how to get a hold of God. It's not over. If we come to the music, Hezekiah shows us a lesson that it is not over. If you can learn how to become a prayer warrior. But you know what? You learn that lesson through life. Through trials and tests. Please don't wait until you get the doctor's report to learn how to pray. But if you get the doctor's report and you haven't learned to pray, now's a good time to start. Amen. Daniel didn't start praying when the decree from the king came. Daniel had been praying morning, noon, and night. He had got a prayer life. He was a prayer warrior. And when they said, we're going to throw you in the lion's den, he wasn't worried. He just prayed. He said, you're going to throw me in here, but morning, noon, and night, I'm going to keep praying. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're going to throw him in the fiery furnace. They said, we're just going to pray. We're just going to seek God. Amen. Hezekiah, where'd you get this revelation? No doubt. He was well-educated in the things of the Lord. He was a spiritual man. And no doubt he remembers what happened when Solomon became king. Second Chronicles 7 and 13. God is speaking in response to Solomon. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain. If I command the locusts to devour the land. Or if I send pestilence among my people. You know what God's saying? I love the way he puts it. If it looks bad. If it looks like you're about to go under, if it looks like you can't make it another day, if it looks like it's over, pray. And the most, one of the most quoted verses in the Bible. Some of y'all are going to quote it with me. If, you know what, you've got to have an answer to all the other ifs of life. If I go bankrupt, if I lose everything, if everything falls apart, if the relationship still doesn't work out, if I, if, 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 if I get sick and I get sicker, if, this is what God responded to all the other ifs. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, Then will I hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. 
you got a lot of ifs in your life right now, brother or sister. There's one if you need to answer if you're going to pray about it. And the answer to that question is more important than all the other what ifs. What if it doesn't get better? What if it doesn't work out? What if, what if, what if, what if? There's only one if you need to answer. If my people will pray. You know, prayer changes things. I'm done here. But pastor, I prayed and things aren't changing. Oh, there's things changing. If prayer is not changing the external things, then that means prayer is changing me. But there's still a change that's happening. And sometimes God's saying, I put you in this. And Paul, you said, get this thorn of the flesh out of me. And you prayed about it. But I said, I'm going to leave it there because it's keeping you saved. And you pray about it. And God gives you a new perspective. And Paul comes out and says, I glory in the thorn in my flesh. Because I prayed about it. Abram failed when he created Ishmael. But it's not over for the prayer warrior. He also knew how to fall on his face and seek God. Joshua was in a battle, and he needed more time. So Joshua prayed to the Lord, and God said, I'm going to stop the sun right where it is because it's not over for the prayer warrior. Samson, who's at the end of his life between two pillars, said, God, he prayed one more time, God, give me strength one more time. And God gave him an answer by giving him the victory. Paul and Silas are in prison, bound up, and they begin to pray and sing praises. And God answered them by giving them more time for ministry. It's not over for the prayer warrior. And they said it was over for the church before the church ever got started. You know, Jesus died. Some people say he was buried and rose again. We just don't know about that. But this little sect of the Jews, they're going to cease to exist. And then we got a rumor Jesus ascended to heaven. Okay, he's gone. It's over for the church. Some of y'all already know where I'm going. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, I tell you what, when they all said it's over for the church, the Bible says they were in the upper room and they were praying and suddenly there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind and what they said was over was being birthed and what they it's not over for the prayer warrior. And I also want to say to everybody, if you know how to pray, it's not over for you. But I got good news. Well, Pastor, I'm doing fine. I pray about things. But you got somebody in your life that you're worried about. Do you know it's not over for the friend of the prayer warrior? Abraham prayed for Lot. And Lot survived Sodom and Gomorrah. Moses prayed for Israel, and God spared them. Moses prayed for Miriam, and God healed her. Jesus prayed for Peter's faith, and Peter was converted and preached Pentecost. Peter was locked in prison, but I love the way the Bible puts it. Herod said, I got him, and it's over. But the Bible says, but prayer was made continually by the church for him. And at midnight... An angel of the Lord kicked down the doors and broke down the walls and an earthquake began to happen. I want to just preach to you. It's not over for the prayer warrior. And brothers and sisters, it's not over if you're the prayer warrior praying for somebody else. If you've got a lost loved one and you need them to be saved, mama, don't stop praying for your kids. Dad, don't stop praying for your kids. Husband, don't stop praying for your wife. Wife, don't stop praying for your husband. you got to pray because it's not over if you can become a prayer warrior. Lift up your hands all across this building. Come on. We're going to pray, Hezekiah. Turn your face to the wall and pray. What you're going through, you need to pray about what you're going through. It's time to pray about it. Maybe you got a situation that somebody else is dealing with. Would you be the intercessor? Would you be the one to stand in the gap? Would you pray for the kids? Would you pray for the spouse? Would you pray? Turn your face to the wall and begin to pray and say, God, give them more time. Prodigal's father, you got to pray for the prodigal son. Keep feeding that fatted calf. Keep rocking on that chair and pray it. I want to open up this altar. Would you come down to the front? 
I want everybody to come. You know how I know? Because everybody's got something to pray about. And if you don't, you know somebody's got something to pray about. It's not over if you can pray about it. It's not over if you still got the ability to pray about it. Because if God's, God's not done, if you'll pray about it, God will keep working if you'll pray about it. God will repair things you couldn't repair if you'll pray about it. God will put things back together if you'll pray about it. God will make a way if you'll pray about it. God will open doors if you'll pray about it. God will pay off debts if you'll pray about it. God will heal things if you pray about it. God will turn things around if you'll pray about it. It's not over if you can learn how to pray about it. It's never over if you can learn how to pray about it. Come on, Jacob. Wrestle with God until the breaking of day. It's not over. Esau doesn't have to finish you off. you got to pray about it. Come on, that's it. Come on. It's not the end. This is just the way you start praying. If you'll pray about it, God will answer. Come on, that's it all across this building. Somebody pray about it. If you've got a sickness in your life, if you've got a loved one you're praying for, I want you to lift them up to Jesus. Hezekiah, I've given you more time. I've given you more time. Come on, Mary and Martha. Pray for Lazarus. I know he's been dead for four days, but if you'll pray, he'll get more time. Never burn out. 
Make me a house of prayer. May the fire on my altar never burn out. May the fire on my altar never burn out. May the fire on my altar never burn out. Make me a house of prayer. Lord, make me a house. Make me a house of prayer, a house of prayer. Lord, make me a house. Make me a house of prayer, a house of prayer. The fire on my altar never burns. Come on, that's it all across the building. Lift up your hands and pray. All across this house, there are so many needs that are represented. You might have a prayer request that you stopped praying about because you got discouraged. But I want to tell you, if you'll keep praying about it, God's not finished. God's not done. Maybe you got a doctor's report. I want you to pray about that doctor's report right now. Maybe you got some bad news in the mail. Maybe you got a debt collection. Whatever it is, I want you to pray about it. God, God will help people that pray about it because He wants your joy to be filled. And God wants to answer prayers to prove He's a great God. Amen. Somebody pray right now in the name of Jesus. It's not over for your ministry. It's not over for your marriage. It's not over for your kids. It's not over for your health. If you can pray about it.